Hello and welcome into another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. We are connecting with you, Italian football fans from all over the world. Alex Dono alongside Jerry Mancini. As always, we have our special guest, long overdue. We brought him on the program, and I know we're not going to regret it. And we also we get to cover two bases with this guy. We get to cover yeah. the Napoli and the Roma bases with Gianni Delicoli, who does an awesome job with the Calcio guys. Jerry and I have both been on the Calcio guys before. We always have an awesome time. Gianni, how are you, man? Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. First off, I feel really honored to be on. Uh, it has been a while, and I know like the first couple of times it just never worked out. But uh, uh, thank you for those kind words. Uh, I'm, I'm doing well. How about you guys? How's everything for you guys? Well, you know, I'm doing all right, man. I mean, uh, top of the table. I'm, uh, I'm not counting my chickens before they're hatched. There's still no. there's still 10 finals to go, as Conte would say, but I'm, I'm doing pretty well. And, uh, and Jerry, I was happy to see Lazio win over the weekend as well. And, and that game, it gave me a little bit of everything because uh, I want Lazio in Champions League. I want them back in, especially if that means maybe taking a spot from Juventus. Please, Jerry, get into the Champions League. <laughs> I want to see Lazio in the Champions League. I'm happy they won that game. And uh, even, you know, from Spezia, even in losing that game, I got to see maybe the goal of the season. Like That, that was unfreaking believable by Verde, that overhead kick. I mean, it was, uh, you know, perfectly struck. There was absolutely nothing that Pepe Reina could do about it. Like, you, you get a – I mean, Jerry, a goal like that gets scored against you – you just have to kind of sit back and say, oh, my God, that was fucking incredible. Like, there's really nothing you can complain about with that. No, it's perfect. Accurate cross. Uh, I think that the cross was, had a lot of time to get into the box because Maricic had fell down. He kind of lost his man. And down the wing, I think it was Lazzari who, who was too late to get to his man as well, if I recall. Um, and then the cross was just perfect because there was just ample amount of space and time. So, And then Verdi... I don't know if he'll ever make a shot like that in his life again, but it was perfect acrobatic and uh, bicycle kick. And he, he basically hit top corner. Like, I don't think um, Pepperena would ne never had a chance on that. That that was right on the top of the bar. Like, there was no chance even to make that save. So it, it was a wall-time shot, and that's it. Like, there's nothing else you can say about it. Absolutely. Uh, and so, you know, at the end of it, Jerry, those were a really crucial three points that Lazio picked up in the two to one over Spezia. Uh, and Spezia has been uh, they, they've been a tricky side this season. They've taken some positive results against some big teams. Now, it did uh, give me your take on the ejections uh, at the end of it. Correa and uh, Lazio both got uh, both got given reds, which means they're not going to be available for the next matchup or are you concerned at all about depth depth now with the suspensions um from the wing back position no because you got Marisic who slot into the right side now um Mohamed Fadez has looked encouraging in in recent times so I'm not too concerned about the left side he'll come in Seno Lulic has to retire he's no longer the player he once was he is so slow and just doesn't have that kind of like level he was at last year before his injury. I think his injury really hurt him. And at the age, I believe 35, your recovery is never the same. Like it, it was never going to be easy for him to come back at what he was before. So I think that if they were to think, if they were to offer this guy a one year contract extension, it'd be a big mistake. It would just be a waste of a roster spot personally. Like he couldn't make a pass on Saturday. Crosses were just like mistimed. 
he was just throwing balls anywhere because he just couldn't keep up with the level. Um, what happens now with Maricic going to the right and Fadis goes to the left is that you got either Mateo uh, Masakio or Patrick will now slot in, into the back end. I prefer to see Musakio get a start. I don't think he's been bad in Serie A. Uh, I know a lot of people called him out versus um, Bayern Munich in the Champions League. That's not his fault because I know that it was a bad back pass, and, and I'll fault him for that. But overall, it's never easy playing against the champions. So it was never an, an easy situation to be in for how much he's been playing this season. But um, I would prefer Matteo Masakio in the back with um, – a Cherby and um, uh, Stefan Radu. That that would be my preferred back three. And and up top with Korea out, you go with Caicedo. I think that he's earned a start. I know a lot of people prefer to have him come off the bench. Probably he's been better used as a sub. But um, Vadat Mariki hasn't really impressed me. But at the same time, maybe Inzaghi wants to try to get the the value up in Mariki and gives him playing time and hopefully can capitalize up front with, with Immobilis. So we'll see if that comes as a, an option. So I wouldn't rule that out either. Gotcha. We, we, I have so much I want to get to with Gianni. Although I, I will say that before we start, you know, diving deep, especially on, on Napoli, because they have such a big mid midweek matchup coming up against Juventus. But I, I just want to, I want to set the context and I know that, there's a good chance, and I hope this is the case, that a lot of our listeners and viewers also watch the Calcio guys. Because, And if you don't, by the way, you should check them out. They do a fantastic job. So if anyone is not familiar with Gianni, because I know this question is going to come up if we don't give it the proper context, <laughs> explain. Because when, when we're going to ask you about both Napoli and Roma, and you have affection for both of those clubs, yeah. I just want people to understand. Can you explain how you came to be a fan of both? Right, so straightforward. Uh, as a kid growing up, I was born in '92, so I the, I only saw, let's say, my family only really watched the bad side of Napoli. So, like, as I was really towards the end of like the whole Maradona era was over and everything. So, as a kid, you know, I didn't see team names. I didn't see affiliates. Uh, World Cup '98 was like the first ever World Cup. I really, really understood soccer. And that's when I started watching club soccer from there. And one of my favorite players as a kid was Tati. And also red was my favorite color. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to go for the red team, you know? So I'm a four-year-old kid. I don't know any better, right? Oh, sure, so, sure. And it was it was a great time to watch Roma. And, you know, and winning the Scudetto in 2001 was very nice and everything. And um, so as a kid, I always loved Roma. But my family, uh, as I said before, uh, we started recording my father was from Rocco de Vandro, which is about 45 minutes north of Naples. Uh, my mom's side, half of it's from uh, Cervinara, which is about 30 minutes away from Naples as well. So my family's pretty much Napolitan. And um, basically, when Napoli started coming back into Serie B and stuff, I went on YouTube because you were able to find highlights on YouTube. And I showed my nonno because I'm really close to my nonno. My nonno is basically the guy who helped put a soccer ball on my feet when I was one years old, along with my father and whatever. And uh, I used to show him highlights and everything. And, I, you know, like, like, oh, cool. Like, Napoli's a cute team and stuff. And then, like, I don't know. I guess over the years, like, my my family pride just kind of kicked in. And, you know, my pride for, I guess, my family's region and stuff just kind of kicked in. I, got, I, I, I started enjoying watching Napoli with my grandfather. Then um, I 
like late in the like mid 2000s you know like after the goran pandev and pia era when they finally came back up to city ah you know like i i enjoyed watching hamsick and lavetsi and then when he got cavani in 2011 like even at Guardiola too like it was a fun team to watch napoli because they're always like the underdog team that just kind of um like they, they they scraped for their wins and stuff and it they had a charm and i grew to love them and I guess it just over time, you know, like my passion just kind of grew for them too. And I know it's sacrilegious because they are rival teams. I get that 100%. So I get, <laughs> so, so, so I deserve, I don't even contest it. I deserve the clown comments that I get sometimes. I even call myself a clown for liking both teams. It's, it's, it's just, the heart I'm sorry. The, like, heart wants. Huh? the heart wants what the heart wants. I mean, exactly. Listen, it, you know, hard, like hard to argue with your passion. Exactly. And uh, I, I mean, like nowadays, like, if you were to ask me, like, gun to my head, I would lean a little bit more to Napoli because I think they're overall in a better place than Roma. And Roma recently, you know, like, uh, besides that, like, after that run in 2018, you know, like, uh, just I, they've, been a, they've been a mess. And uh, right now it kind of hurts watching Roma. Like, it's kind of annoying. Like, it's just – so I guess now, like, I guess my, my allegiance is more for Napoli than Roma. But I'm not, I'm not going to be somebody who's going to be like, Oh, psh, I hate Roma. Like, no, I still love Roma and I still love Napoli. It's at this point, I'm more like, hey, I just want everybody to have a good time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, cool. I, I totally respect that. And, and you know, I definitely uh, on this episode, we're going to touch more on Napoli uh, before we get to the midweek clash with Juventus. It's going to be so important for both clubs. I mean, you know, yeah. Juve are are trying to ensure they stay uh, in a Champions League spot because that's no longer a given at this point, especially after, you know, the, the loss to Benevento and, and most recently uh, the draw that they just picked up against Torino this past weekend. And, and Napoli are trying to rise in and secure top four after not making it last year. Uh, talk me through what ended up being, I'm sure, a much nervier victory than you expected against Crotone. Uh, you know, it was, it was sloppy at the back for Napoli. It was... Yeah. 3-3, and then Di Lorenzo gets uh, what turned out to be the game-winning goal, 72nd minute. Uh, I always say a W is a W, three points are three points. You get them and you move on. Uh, but but talk me a little bit through that, because that, that was very tense, and that was not exactly a lot of style points earned in that win. No. Uh, a lot of defensive blunders is the best way to describe that game. Uh, Manolas, uh, with that, I think it was him that had that dumb giveaway uh and then uh you know uh maximovich you know like just losing the ball i don't know what decision making he had when uh on the third goal um but um i think it just goes to show how much of a mess napoli is in the back end without kulibali um and he's a very key player for that back line he's a general he knows how to put people in order. Like I remember one clip, literally he pushed Marurui aside. And I think it was the Champions League PSG game when they're in the same group stage uh, a couple of years back. Uh, but uh, that clip always just like stays in my mind because it shows that that guy, like even when he's not covering the middle is covering the wings at the same time, he's telling players where to go and what to do and who to cover. He's, he is essential for Napoli to succeed. And when you don't have a guy like Koulibaly, like give credit to Crotone. Simi's having a hell of a year, uh, you know, and they're, 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 they're not a weak, like, yes, they are a lower table club, but they're not one of those lower table clubs that you should feel like as if you're guaranteed a W when you face them. <laughs> uh, AJ wrote in the chat. <laughs> uh, 
like how about that we love you yeah. johnny even though you like two teams <laughs> i love you too adriano <laughs> uh but yeah like it just goes to show without koulibaly they're a mess in the back and offensively they were great they they clicked well they fired on all cylinders offensively the plays were were, were fantastic um mertens doesn't hit a ball like ronaldo does when he takes a free kick so that's always nice to see <laughs> but uh yeah in the back end if uh if, if koulibaly doesn't get any help well, like, well, I mean, like in the future, uh, Napoli is a big mess because you're gonna have to end up trying to score more goals in your opposition every game, and that's never fun in soccer. Jerry, I, I, w- I want to go around the table on this one. Have you guys both uh, weigh in before we uh, before we kind of finish the review of the weekend and and get into the uh, the couple of midweek matchups we have uh, on Wednesday? We have Inter and Sassuolo and Napoli against Juventus, which is going to be a pretty gigantic clash. Had a, had a couple of surprising results over the weekend, Jerry, and and both of those benefited me. I'm not gonna lie; it was uh, I was a little bit surprised uh, and and happy to see you know Milan dropping points against Sampdoria. Uh, what a ghastly, ghastly error by Teo Hernandez with that back pass that put it right on Qualiarella's foot. And uh, and you got to give Qualiarella credit credit because it's not even you know a guaranteed strike. The one timer he put was perfectly placed. Donnarumma was not in position for it. There was nothing he could do. Uh, just a ghastly mistake. But Qualiarella took advantage of it. Uh, you know Milan were down uh, one nil for most of this game, even despite going up a man at the 59th minute. Uh, Hauga was able to get uh, a game tying goal at the 87th minute. Uh, Milan actually nearly had a game-winning goal from Kessier, who hit a goal post. That would have been a, a lovely goal. It was a lovely strike. Uh, but at the end, Milan ended up dropping points uh, 1-1 against Samp. And we also had Juventus dropping points against Torino 2-2. Uh, Sanabria, what a game for him. Scored a brace. Uh, Chiesa scored uh, the opening goal, put Juve up 1-0. Ronaldo scored a game-tying goal at 79th minute. Uh, so, Jerry, uh, I want to ask you... Which result shocked you more? Were you more surprised by either of those? Milan 1-1 with Samp or Juventus 2-2 with Torino? Which of those results surprised you more? Um, oh, man, that's tough. Uh, I say neither, personally, because Milan has shown not the greatest form in recent times. So this shouldn't be a shock that they tied a Sampdoria side that has really proven to be difficult this year. They stolen points against Lazio. They stolen points against Inter. So they have been a resilient team and, and managed well under Claudio Ranieri. Um as for Torino, again, should it be a shock that they were able to compete with Juventus, who again have been inconsistent as well this year and haven't shown the same form as they have in recent seasons. Injuries have hurt them, not having players uh, available. Now with the whole COVID situation with Paul Dybala being suspended along with um, yeah, McKenny and McKinney. And now you got Torino who have players available, a Bolotti who is available, which hasn't been the case for recent times. Um, a lot of their players returned to the lineup. So it was a much stronger Torino that we saw that was able to kind of compete with, um, with Juventus. So... If I had to choose between the two, probably Juventus. But again, like, you know what? A lot of people continue to count out Lazio and not being in the in the equation of competing for a top four. I think it's a, it's a big possibility because 
here's the thing. We talk about these two games. Milan didn't convince me at all. They looked really poor. Um, Juventus didn't look good either. They looked sluggish. They didn't really attack Torino a lot. And they, they were fortunate to even tie this game up. And then I know Lazio wasn't as convincing probably, but they had a lot of chances throughout their match and maybe should have scored two or three goals from open play. Um, We're we're winning matches and and we're building up ground. So I don't see why they can't be considered. Napoli has shown inconsistency. Even though they won 4-3 against Cortone, they, they haven't really won in convincing fashion in a long time. Uh, Atalanta at the moment are playing formidable football. Like they're 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 very strong, probably the most consistent team of the pack right now. But it wouldn't surprise me if they started losing three games in a row. This team is very quick to turn off, just as much as they're very quick to turn on. So, and then Roma's out of the equation. I don't think Roma has a chance personally. I think there's a lot of issues inside the dressing room, and just. The team doesn't look the same for me, but I think it's going to be a, a very tight race for the top four spot overall. Yeah, no, and and, and uh, Adriano just said the same thing. It's going to be a, a fight to the finish for the top four spots. And and listen, I, I think that it's good for it's good for Serie A, you know, to have uh, to have tight races for the top four. We've had that, you know, for for really the last couple of seasons. I mean, obviously, selfishly, I don't mind seeing a new champion this year. Obviously. You know, Juve fans uh, would, would disagree with that, but, you know, it was a very, very long cycle for them, nine years, and it looks like it's uh, it's about to come to an end. As far as, uh, before I get Gianni's take, I think I was slightly more surprised by Juve's results. Um, and, and I know Milan were the ones that were at home, but their home form has not been good. Uh, Milan has actually been a better a better road team this season, and I, I've seen Samp take some good results this season. I, I was more surprised uh, by Juventus. I know people can say, oh, it's a derby, anything can happen, but they have owned that derby for a very, very long time. It's not really – it's been so lopsided between Juve and Torino, and it doesn't matter whether they play at Torino or they play at the J. It's, uh, Juventus has absolutely owned that. And, uh, and, you know, you had errors in, in both of those games. I mean, for Milan, I mentioned a, a pretty ghastly error by Teo Hernandez, who is just – he's such a hot and cold player. I mean, the highs are so high for him and the lows are so low. He's capable of doing incredible things. He's also capable of having brutal mental mistakes. But there were also, you know, terrible errors uh, on Juventus's part as well. I mean, Chesney was pretty awful uh, on both goals conceded. The second one was, you know, uh, assisted um, – Assisted by uh, Kulusevsky, who who made that goal possible, and and Chesney was not good in net on either of those. So you just, it's you know, uh, for so many years, we were accustomed to watching, you know, it was the Juventus of Conte, and then it was the Juventus of Allegri, and that was between the two of them an eight year span. Now I know that you know they started to lose some traction under Sarri last year, but still, uh, Juventus just don't lose like that. I mean, not until this season, like not not until this season, do you ever see. Juve lose on so many individual errors. Uh, and I know they didn't technically lose this game, but drop points. And, you know, dropping points to Torino almost almost feels like a loss, especially in an important game like that. But what do you think, Gianni, out of uh, out of Milan's draw and Juve's draw, which of those results surprised you more? Uh, the Juve one for sure, because I believe if I recall, let me double check standings, but I think like Torino's like 17th, I think. Yes, you're correct. Yeah, they are. Like, um, it, in my opinion, it was... It should have been like a game for Juve to be like, okay, let's just kind of like 
I don't want to say like a rebound game. Actually, I think that's the best term for for it. You know, like they should have. Like I thought it was gonna be like a rebound game for them. Like okay, look, we've been in a bit of a slump. Let's use this game to kind of like like build a base and build from there type of thing. But that wasn't the case, you know. Especially after the Benevento result, you know, like um, I I I feel like it's, it's a bit more surprising. Milan, it's been unfortunate because the roster. Like I'm not trying to crap talk Milan because I'm not a Milan fan, but. My personal opinion, I, I think Milan, because of their string of injuries and their string of players out to COVID, players out for cards, players out, like, eventually, like, when you lose a lot of many different parts, if you're a unit and you lose a lot of different parts, you can't function. And, um, you know, like, as a squad, they're they're not as, like, I guess, well-equipped as, like, let's say Inter, where Inter, they're, right now, they're playing like a well-oiled machine. Um, Milan was, and now I feel like Okay, they're hitting the they're hitting some speed bumps along the road, but unfortunately, their team is not deep enough to uh, recover as much as let's say like, let's say like Inter if they hit some speed bumps, like in terms of depth. And Juve is in that upper tier as well. That's why for me, I think the Juve Torino game was a bit more shocking because it's like, yeah, how did you guys draw to Torino, especially? But Jerry hit it well before, you know, like if they're getting key players back, so obviously it's not the same. Torino, as you should expect, for the that have been playing for the entire season, so it it, it goes to show. And uh, I don't know. I think Juve, if if I may, just just take a little bit more uh, time just to go off. Oh, um, sure. Uh, I think Juve. Uh, I was having a discussion with a good friend of mine this past weekend. I feel like as if Juve, because um, they have so much sucked into into Ronaldo, you know, like you have to bargain bin for a lot of positions. I, I call the term bargain binning. Where it's like you know, like you're looking for those like, oh, this player is valued at five million, or this player can we we can bring him in as a free transfer, you know, type of thing, and expect to get a result or expect to be good and consistent. But after a while, when you bargain bin so much, you're not gonna be top quality anymore. You can find some diamonds in the rough, you know. Like I I wouldn't call McKenny like a super diamond in the rough, but he's been good for them, you know. He's been a great yeah. find for them. But, you know, but there's some players where it's like, e, you know, that's um, that's a lot. It's not good. Rabio, uh, uh, Ramsey. Yeah, those like, yeah, I, I doubt a player like Ramsey. Like, I think it was it was mentioned in our little group chat. Like, a player like Ramsey is going to get that type of, that type of salary in another league. You know, it just seemed like as if Juve was just like, oh yeah, sure, let's just uh, offer, let's try to get this fish type of thing. Uh, <laughs> all in all, uh, for myself, Juve right now the. It's it was kind of I don't want to say long time coming, but after a while, you know, like when you have enough leaks in your ship, you're gonna eventually sink. You could try to patch them up as much as you can, but if more if more holes are appearing, you're just gonna start crashing. And I think that's what's happening with Juve right now. You know, and, and something else I think it's it's worth mentioning is is we did see some some strange uh, results this past weekend, and and for Napoli it was a little bit tougher than you would have expected to have, have been against Crotone. I, I think I think it is worth pointing out that coming off an international break, sometimes you get performances like that. I mean, sometimes especially clubs that had players leave to play for a ton of different national teams, and then you're away from your teammates for a couple of weeks, you can get disjointed performances. That That's pretty that's pretty expected. And and that's why, um, you know, and, and I'm thankful that Inter were able to get their result in their 1-0 win against Bologna, and they were able to grind out three points. I knew it was going to be a tough game for that reason. Like, I, I knew that coming off, and, and for Inter, it was even an extra week uh, off, so they had – 
three weeks between games. They had uh, they had a, a ton of internationals. I mean, they, they did catch a break with uh, with the uh, with the South American qualifiers getting canceled. So you didn't also have to have Alexis join Chile and Lautaro uh, join Argentina. So they caught a little bit of a break there. But uh, I, I really was not expecting a virtuoso performance from the Nera Zuri. So especially coming off an international break. I'm happy with three points. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about that game Inter's 1-0 against Bologna. You know, it, it certainly was not a champagne football type of performance. Uh, there were there were a few players from Inter that I thought were especially poor in this game. Uh, Ashraf Hakimi, was that, that was among his worst performances in an Inter shirt. Um, he can be uh, – I like him a lot, and I'm happy that they invested with him, and he has helped the squad. He will continue to do so. Um, he's very inconsistent. I'm going to chalk that off to his youth. I mean, Hakimi being so young, uh, you know, he's got to reach a point within the next couple of seasons where, you know, he, he doesn't have to be world class every week, but he at least needs to be getting down the flanks, putting in dangerous crosses, you know, not no cheap giveaways, you know, because there are certain times where he's on the ball so much better than other times he can be a bit sloppy with his touches. You know, this was not a good game this past weekend from Hakimi. Uh, you know, Alexis Young, or sorry, uh, Ashley Young uh, was very poor, but you kind of expect that at this point from Ashley Young. There's a reason why he rarely plays uh, at this time. He's, he's so old and, and inconsistent. Uh, I know a lot, a lot of people were really criticizing uh, Barella. Uh, I, I thought there was a little bit of harshness on that standpoint because uh, like, Barella, like his, his, his final ball, you know he had a he had a few uh, misplayed passes, but I, I thought that for for people who said he had a, a shit game, I thought that was a little bit lazy of a criticism because and, and Jerry, you and I were were chatting during the game. I thought Barella actually uh, did an excellent job with some of the tackles and the balls that he won. So it was not you know a complete performance, and maybe if you're judging Barella by his own standard, he fell a little bit short of that. I didn't think he had a bad game. I, I didn't think though that Christian Eriksen was particularly good. Uh, you know, you, you got uh, enough of a flash of brilliance from Lukaku in, uh, in in the finish and the goal that he scored on the second effort uh, that that ended up taking the three points. But, you know, Jerry, what I really wanted to get into was the beautiful cross from Bastoni, who, uh, you know, he's a center back, but he basically, you know, carried up uh, up the left wing like he was playing wing back in that moment and just a perfectly placed cross. This kid is getting to be such a complete player uh, at, at 21 years old. I think he is now Bastoni. I mean, such a complete player. Obviously, he's got the build and the height that he's you know going to be a center back for his entire career. But he's versatile enough that if he really wanted to, he could play fullback or wingback as well. He could probably even play midfield because he's very confident on the ball. I I could not be happier with what Bastoni has been doing in his young career now. I think he's watching a Cherby too much. I think that's yeah. the problem. It's a good shout, and he's left-footed as well, so he's yeah. like he's like a young Acherby. I honestly think that he tries to play like Acherby, where he tries to to advance the ball forward, tries to hit, commit with the offense, and uh, I don't see an issue with that because it's he's done a really good job in that uh, department. But um, on the defensive end, he's also been a, a good presence in the back end, so he's developing into a really caliber top defender. And I and I give credit to uh, Conte. Because Conte is a mastermind at getting the best out of young players, and I, we're, we're talking about this offline. Me and Joe from Napoli, uh, Forza Napoli podcast, and didn't uh, Conte start the regime of Juventus before they started to win nine scudettos in a row? Yeah, twenty twelve. Yeah, and, and so Inter is on to something where 
they got Conte starting this whole dynasty, maybe, of Scudetto's to come. Who knows? But um, look at Nicolo Barella. He's, he's reached potential and has matured so much because of uh, Conte as well. He, his ability to, to, to make these young players work hard and, and not, like, take it very lightly. And I think that his expectations of being so high gets the best out of his young players. Um, the, the guy who I want to give a shout-out to on Saturday's game, and to me was the player of the game was Bernocchia. Um, I think oh, he I was, like him. Man, he's uh, he, he, Jerry. He used to be the butt of every joke uh, when, when he was younger. The guy used to make these comically bad mistakes. Like every time he started, he would score an own goal. He would he would have a cheap giveaway that would lead to a goal. I mean, I I I'd much rather have him off the bench than a regular starter. But every time he's been called into duty the last two years, he's performed very well. Well, the last time he played was at the end of uh, January. So he didn't play for two months. Had to come yeah. off the bench. He has to start as start as a starter in place of Stefan Devry, who basically had COVID and wasn't fit to play. Started on the bench, and it's never easy sh- to fill those kind of shoes uh, on very limited playing time. So I thought he asserted himself very well, and he defended well in the back end along uh, with centering uh, between Skriniar and uh, Bastoni. So. Never easy, but he he looked very calm and composed in that back end, and I, I believe he had like four interceptions, if I recall, or four clearances. He had some good stat lines, but um, overall, I that was my player of the game because they rarely created any chances and they defended a lot of the game. But again, he did what he had to. Well, what, what did you think of that uh, that match, Gianni? Well, uh, I fortunately did not see the match, but uh, you didn't. It, it wasn't that exciting. You honestly didn't miss very much. <laughs> I was too worried about my other teams, but uh, but one thing I do want to touch upon is that on the Conte aspect. I mean, this is a manager that took a very very subpar squad in 2016 and almost eliminated the world champions in in Germany. And if it wasn't for Graziano Pelé going, uh, and then messed it up. And then we're not going to talk about, uh, Zaza's little dance, but uh, if it wasn't for that, we actually might've eliminated Germany with a very subpar squad. So Conte knows how to get the most of his players. Now, if you don't mind me asking, did Sensi play? Cause I know he played for the national team, uh, during the international he, break. He didn't play. No, he, he didn't, didn't play. play. Okay, I guess he's not. I, 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 I think Conte. For, I think Conte forgot he's not dead. Like I think Conte, like <laughs> he's on the squad list. But it's nice to see, like, like to touch upon Bastoni. You know, like it's nice to hear that he's getting more like comfortable and better in his role because, like, our midfield for like because for the national team because our midfield seems solid. Our as call it what you want. I know people have their 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 opinions on up front. Uh, the I think our front line is great. I'm still an immobile believer, uh, not because it's just not Boldan, but like I, I like the guy. I feel like as if, uh, like you know, like if if he had the mid, like he has a good midfield now. Give him some time. He's still, yeah, sure, he got a penalty shot goal. Whoop de do, but like it's he's still getting those goals. Like Insigne has missed two crucial penalty shots against Juve over the years. I mean, sometimes penalties are not the easiest things to score, um, but it's nice to hear players like Bastoni do well because Kellini is not going to be there forever. And when Kellini goes, we need a reliable center back. You always need that reliable pillar in in, in your back line. To see your center back has to. I, I like to argue your center back is probably 
your your most important player in your defense than your wingbacks or your fullbacks. It's uh, and to hear that Bostoni is going to be great, you know, fantastic. And if Romagnoli or Cherubi can be those guys to replace Bonucci, fantastic. You know, I, I'm not big. Um, but Chiellini, when he goes or he decides to retire, it's it's a big hole to fill. And he had to fill a big hole to himself, you know. So it's 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 a very key role. And if Bastoni can be one of those options for Italy in the future, you know, it's nice to hear. And it's hopefully uh, playing under Conte and playing with a good squad in Inter, you know, kind of keeps him at that upper level mentality, you know. Like I feel like as if if you play with the – the only way you could be a better player is if you elevate to the players around you. And if you're playing constantly with world-class or, okay, like like when I say world-class, I mean like they're starting for the national team type players, you're obviously going to elevate yourself to that level too. And if you're going to be playing for in Champions League, if you're going to be playing in uh, fighting for first place in the league, you know, you obviously have to always be at the top of your game. And uh, it's going to help out Bastoni in the long run and, and players like Barella and Sensi too. So uh, that makes me happy uh, hearing that he had a fantastic game. Yeah, and, and you know, like Jerry, as as much as I would uh, I would love to give Conte more credit for Bastoni, and I'm sure he does deserve some credit because he's helped mold him tactically. And and Bastoni, he's he's perfect for that formation. Like you know, playing playing left center back in a back three suits him very well. So I, I can't I can't not give Conte credit, but I give most of the credit to Bastoni himself because I think about last season, um, you know, he wasn't supposed to be trusted over Diego Godin. But by mm. by the time they got through midway through the campaign, like Conte was leaving Diego Godin on the bench uh, in favor of Bastoni. Like I, I don't think that that was the plan to start the year. I think Conte thought, okay, this is going to be you know Bastoni is going to be my fourth or fifth center back, uh, and obviously you know my back three is going to be you know Godin because we got him on a free. This guy's older, but you thought, yeah. oh, he's world class at the time, and you know Skriniar and Devry. But uh, I, I don't I don't think Conte really imagined that. Bastoni would become irreplaceable, but by by the midway point of the season last year, even before it, uh, Johnny Bastoni was uh, he was benching Diego Godin. Yeah, and just to quickly uh, add to that, like you said it perfectly, like Diego Godin free chance that was big. Like Godin is great, and then to hear a player like Bastoni making Godin be benched, I want to say it's unheard of, but it's like okay, what's going on here? Like like something's got to be happening for a player like Diego Godin to be benched. It's be- but I think uh, I'm not sure if it was you who said it, but I think he's not that great in the back three. Godin's better in the back four, but uh, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to get off on that. But yeah, no, like I guess maybe just for Godin, it just wasn't the system. But Bastoni's doing well in it. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. And so yeah, I mean, listen, uh, Inter ended up getting. Uh, it, it was uh, and there and and Bologna had uh, they were they were not clinical, but they were certainly uh, at times they were creating some dangerous opportunities and. You know, I, I I was I was really bracing myself for a game tying goal through much of that second half. So, I mean, this uh, Jerry, th- this is the the type of performance that uh, Scudetto winners need to have uh, to be able to close out results and win, even when you're not at your best. And and to be honest about you know the past uh, three or, or four performances from Inter have not been have not been classic ones. I mean, going back to you know the one nil that they got against Atalanta, they had kind of a, a subpar against. Parma, uh, you know, against uh, Torino, they had a kind of a subpar victory, and in this one, they didn't play great. So, 
Uh, you know, they, they've been brilliant at times this year, but then uh, Inter have also had some performances where you feel a little bit fortunate to come away with, with all three points. But I mean, th these are the types of, uh, these are the types of games that, you know, we saw for so many years, Juventus would win all of these, you know, ugly sort of games. And, and this year, Inter are the team doing that. Well, I'm looking at your, at your stats. Sorry. It's been five straight wins where they haven't won convincing. Like, yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. The last strong game they had was against Milan in the in the uh, in the derby. I thought that was the last time they actually had a formidable performance, and they looked convincing. But um, you know what? They're figuring out ways to win. I think teams that win scudettos don't always have thirty-eight strong matches and look convincing. You need there's going to be games where it becomes difficult, like you said, international break and having two-week layoff and especially this year where there have been multiple circumstances with COVID-19 and having a lot of players out, not just to injuries, but to a new sort of injury, you can call it, where you're not just missing one game, but you're missing multiple games and you don't have a choice. So you have to alter your lineup. You have to have adjustments and, and get credit to Conte. People think that he's a failure this year because they exited from the Champions League and they exited from the Copa Italia, but I don't think any team has been in an easy situation. I know that Inter has a lot of depth on in their squad, but sometimes depth doesn't help when you're playing Milan the first time way back in the season when you have what seven players out for one game. Like there, there are circumstances that you can't really judge these managers like you would normally do in past years. It's it's not the um, it's I don't think it's the the right way to look at this year. Um, I, I guess certain managers you can probably point the finger. Why is it not working at Roma? Maybe you want to say or, but for the most part, Conte's got it right when it comes to the Scudetto. And I know that maybe a lot of Inter fans or Conte haters think that he should have done better and he should be having this team closer to more trophies, but it was never a one-stop gap where he's going to get everything done right away. Right. It, it was a project that had to take place, and now we're seeing the second year of it. And a lot, along, aside from maybe probably winning Scudetto, I think another important factor is that he's developing a philosophy, a, a foundation here that this team could be good for a few seasons to come. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and, and, and listen. Oh, sorry. I just want to say, like, adding Conte's defense, they made it to the Europa League final last year too. You yeah. know, it's like point. it's not like yeah. it's, it's not like as if he didn't have like he didn't bring his team to an opportunity. They still had opportunity last year to win at least one trophy. So, but uh, sorry, Donald, back to you. Oh no, no problem at all. And you know, I, I think. Uh, oh wait, we we got Art Morelli in in the the chat here. Oh my god, I, we we got to bring in Art. What is going on, man? I, I, feel like, uh, I feel like we have a celebrity sighting here. What's up, Arthur? <laughs> I'm just hanging out watching some baseball, actually. But I figured, <laughs> I figured I'd pop in and say what's up. Buona Pasqua. You know what? Buona Pasqua. Buona Pasqua to you and your family. I, I think it's perfect that we have another Napoli supporter in here because, guys, I, I was just about to get into the big midweek showdown, Napoli against Juventus. Now, first of all, and Gianni, I want your thoughts on this because, you know, you guys have the opportunity, you and Art Squad have the opportunity to put the nail in the coffin of the Andrea Pirlo era 
at Juventus. Um, Allegedly. How, do, do, you, do you think it happens? Do you, do you think if Napoli get the three points Wednesday, by Wednesday night, by the end of the evening, we find out that Pirlo's time is over at Juve? Uh, I mean, like, you know, like it's the Wesley Snipes image where he's like crying, but he has the gun in his hand type of thing. I think that's probably how I feel about that game. Like it, it sucks to do it to Andrea Pirlo, a guy who's done so much for us. But at this point, F Juve, like I don't care what happens to them. You know, I want them to get muddy. And you know, if they lose and he gets fired, I just laugh even more because they, they get they, they get more and they get they get placed more in a tailspin than they are right now. So, uh, but I I would find personally I would find that weird that with ten games left in the season that they, they would go and fire Pirlo. Like, okay, so does that mean you just officially call quits on the season? What are you going to do, especially if you're in the fourth place position right now? You know, you're you're, you're clawing your way at trying to stay in the top four spot. If you get rid of Pirlo. I think it goes even further. I think you guys like like Juve would just drop even further if they would just let go of Pirlo at this point in the season. The question, what, what do you think? You to, I think the question you have to ask is is who who comes in, who comes back? Like is is the Sari come back to the to the touchline? Like I like what what like what's <laughs> the, my mind? What's the alternative? I mean, you know, I I think it's David Amoyal who who always says this on his show, like. It, you know, it, it's it's easy to sack the coach. It's much more difficult to replace him. And, like, I, I just – I don't understand how – like, I, look, these are rumors. We don't know if they're true. But, like, I just don't understand what the alternative is. As Gianni said, with, with 10, 10, 9, 10 games left, they still have to secure a position. I just I, – I, I, don't, I don't think it's likely – that we see Maurizio Sarri back on the sidelines. So I yeah, just no, is... you're, you're right because like the, the, there's an idea. Uh, obviously, you know many Juventini. You know they want uh, they want Allegri to be the next coach. But okay, that may happen over the summer. But he's not coming in for ten games. Like or, or it'll be nine well, games. Hold on, hold on. Maybe not. But what about if there's a plan that there is some? Is, when does his contract expire with Juventus? Because they're still paying him out probably. So let's just say maybe he still has next year available on his contract. Just assuming, okay. Or something in the back end, because you know I, how you I mentioned. Think either, I think either this is. I think this might be the last year, or last year was the last year. I'm not 100 percent sure. Are we talking Listen. about Allegri? Allegri. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, are they still paying Sadi as well? Yeah, yeah, they are. They are paying yeah. Sadi, but I, I don't think Allegri is under contract anymore. I, I, I thought like I thought last year was his was his last yeah, year. You might I, be right. Year? I could be I could be wrong, but I, I don't think that Juventus is playing three coaches right now. I was gonna say well let's just say hypothetically in the back end, we don't know what's going on, but because he has the relationship with the team, maybe he finishes off the year and they have something planned out and he has like a two-year contract, new stipulations if he returns to Juve. Who knows? Juve does these type of things. You, you never know what they're actually planning. And in the back end, we, we would I would, wouldn't be surprised if Allegri came back. Um, I'm not sure if he left on bad terms with Juve. I don't, I don't know precisely how the relationship was, but it, it's a possibility. And I, and I do agree that you can't sack him. It, it, it's either Allegri comes back, you 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 patch up with Saudi, which is not going to happen, because that was really bad compared to Allegri. That was very bad what they did to Saudi. It was like, you win us a scudetto, take care, because we're starting, we're going to shit the bed even more next year. Hmm. Basically, it's so stupid. But I I don't know what what Juventus is going to do. But you know what? I'll, I'll be honest. I love it because it's. I know a lot of people probably always chirp me on Twitter saying, "Oh." 
you're just jealous because after nine years, you can finally see us crumble. Well, guess what? I am happy after nine years. I don't care if it took nine years. I don't give it. I'll, I'll banter all day about it because it's not, it, it's not just the diversity. It's not. I don't look at it just one year. I think this is going to be a long-term thing where they don't have Beppe Marotta. This is the guy who we Juventus fans are forgetting that they should really look back and say, this is the guy we miss. Not Ronaldo we got, not a manager that we're missing. It's Beppe Marotta who is creating Inter. Who brought Barella? Who brought Bastone? Who brought all, Who brought Lukaku in and, and got him back to what he was? Um, Lautaro Martinez, the best strike duel up front with uh, with Lukaku for X period amount of time. Hakimi coming over from the, the Bundesliga and playing, I would say, decent at least. Um all the pieces are together, and it's not because just Conte. Conte has done a good job. I'll give him credit. He he's got it working. And that's what he, his job is for to do. Yeah, and and, and a, lot yeah, of players, the guy. a lot of the players you mentioned are there because Conte wanted them. So I give him credit for that because Lukaku would not be there if Conte had not begged for him. Exactly. What has Paratici done for Juventus? I I love to hear all you guys think because I'll, I'll name two players better. where he's been a what Ramsey. Rabiot, you spend seven million wages on these idiots. Like, I'm sorry, man. Like, what is what have they produced for your team? And and you tied all your money to Ronaldo, where Carlo Garganeza says it perfect about him all the time. Where it, 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 Juventus is not a one man team. They've never been in, in their nine scudettos. They've always been a team that builds from the bottom to the top and has like those key players that fit the mold. They got some young players. They got some experienced players, but never that one superstar. And that, and that's how they made it to the finals of the Champions League twice. I don't. I don't want to be the one to defend Juventus, but I mean, <laughs> I don't think I, I think <laughs> I think Delict is a is a is a fantastic player. I think yeah. he he bought. They brought in Chiesa. Chiesa's had a phenomenal year, like a surprisingly phenomenal year, um, for the club anyway. Um, I think Kulusevski is going to be fine. He's young. He's adapting. I I don't I, like. He was really bad the other day, but and he's been pretty much bad all year. But I think he's going to be good. I, like, look, I, there there are pieces there. You still have DiBala, who you have to figure out. I mean, I'm not giving Paratici credit for DiBala, obviously, but th- this team is not as in bad shape, Jerry, as I think you're you're making them sound like they are. Well, the, the, the big, their big issue, though, guys, it's it's been the midfield. Like that's what they have to fix. And yeah. and and my big thing is, and obviously, like I'm not saying that uh, that Pirlo isn't one of the problems or part of the problems, but he's being made the scapegoat here. Uh, he oh, never yeah. should have been given the big job in the first place. I mean, right, Johnny? It's like this guy was supposed to be the Primavera manager, uh, which which makes sense. No coaching experience hadn't written his thesis yet at the time that they elevated him to the top job. They put him in an impossible position, right? I mean, I guess uh, Agnelli and Paratici just decided, hey, this is a turnkey operation. You know, we've won nine straight straight Scudetti, so there's nothing that can stop us. We have Ronaldo, uh, you know, and hey, we, we, we didn't win the champion the Champions League with Sarri or Allegri, so may, maybe Pirlo can't do any worse and we're still going to win the Italian League. It's like, they put this guy in a tough position when they yeah. have no midfield, when they've got so many aging players, when they've got a guy like Ronaldo's wages tying up 
so many other areas they can't spend many money on. They can't improve the midfield because of Ronaldo's wages. It's like, what do you expect Pirlo to do when he's never coached before? I mean, if he had been brought up the right way, if he had coached the Primavera for a couple of years, or if he'd gone to another, you know, smaller club and, and been a head coach or a head manager for a couple of years, like he may have come back to Juventus as a season manager ready for that job because he understands how to adjust tactically. He understands how to manage his substitutions. Instead, you elevate this guy to one of the biggest jobs in Europe and just expect him to either know it instantly, how to do all these things properly uh, without the experience, or just to figure it out within a month or two. Like, they put this guy in an impossible position. Like, there are so many problems that go way above Pirlo's head, and so now you're telling me uh, he's going to be the scapegoat, and, and, it, and if they don't yeah, I, I don't know what happens if they draw, but the rumors are if they lose to Napoli midweek that Pirlo's going to get fired. Okay, congratulations. You have your scapegoat. Now what do you do next? Yeah, I think that's you, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, Pirlo was put in a position that he screwed. Like he's, he's stuck between a rock and a hard place. I think, honestly, the reason why they went with Pirlo is because he's the cheap option. You know, like if Sadi's still on your payroll, like – and what was he? he? Was getting like what a salary of like ten million? It was something really ridiculous. It was something really high, uh, and you know, and like okay, now you still have to pay that guy on your payroll. So how are we gonna get? Like you're not gonna give co another manager the same amount of salary. That would be ridiculous, you know. Getting paying two managers for the price of just one. So I think that's why they went with Pirlo because like, hey, look, he's gonna cost. He's gonna cost us cheap. Uh, he's got a former connection club so he's a fan favorite so people will be like hey oh cool girl managing juventus it's like zidane managing real you know like it's you'll, you'll you'll have like a like a kind of like personal connection there uh players respect him and love him so like yeah you won't have any issues in the dressing room where players are not going to agree with your manager because they're going to look across and they're going to see pirlo and be like okay well I, I can't say crap about this guy this guy's won champions league and world cups you know like a uh, world cup and champions leagues so like like this guy knows what it takes to win, and and on a management management standpoint, they look like geniuses. Because hey, if we succeed, oh, we look like we look like geniuses because we got a coach for cheap. We discovered a diamond in the rough, you know. Like oh, look at us, we're Juventus. We can even find uh, gems for managers. And if he does badly, you can be like, oh yeah, well you know he's inexperienced, so uh, you know we don't blame him too much for this. But I feel like he's looking the direction for a club. We need more experienced manager, you know, like. That it, that's basically how it's going to be for Juve. They're going to cover up much bigger, glaring issues with just the firing of Pirlo if they do if they do poorly. But I don't think fans are stupid. If you pay, like you see it on Twitter, like fans are starting to come around. It's like it's not Pirlo the issue. The hardcore fans, obviously, the casuals that came in because of Ronaldo. You know, like they're like, oh, Pirlo's a bad manager. Team sucks. They don't actually see the issue with Juve. A lot of Juve fans that are diehard fans know what the situation is. They see the writing on the wall, you know, and um, they understand there's a deeper problem. Uh, Jerry said it perfectly. Actually, I have to give props to Jerry once again. Like, you said it perfectly. Like, Morata was the guy who built that Juve, you know, like, Paratici. Wow, I'm having a hard time with that name. He's not giving them the squad that they need to support Ronaldo. And, and yeah, like, for them, it's they cover their ass. For lack of a better term, they cover their ass with Pirlo. They fire Pirlo. Oh, well, it was an experience. But I don't blame Pirlo either. Just fast, fast, just to wrap up my point. Yeah. I don't, I don't blame Pirlo either because, hey, yeah, you're supposed to be a Primavera coach, but you're getting an opportunity to to manage a top-flight team. You know, like, um, and you, you, get, you get to be showcased to the world, uh, what you can do as a manager, and for your career down the line, 
owners won't be stupid. Owners will be like, okay, well, given the situation that you're in at the time, we don't blame you for signing that contract to, to manage Juve. And for given what what you had in that season, you did have some bright spots, you know, like there was some good players you helped turn around and stuff. So I, I'm pretty sure Pirlo, even if let's say he does get sacked at the end of the season, it would be hard for him to find another job. I think he's he's people are aware of what the actual situation is in, in uh, for, for Juventus. I wouldn't be surprised if he stays within the organization some somehow like it, you, you, you know because he was awesome. already i mean that's part of the reason you you know johnny you went through the kind of the reasons why pierlo made sense for them i mean one of the reasons is that he was already on the payroll i mean obviously the plan was not for him to manage the first team but he was already there part of the organization i think the other wrinkle is just a short turnaround time from the end of last season to this season it was really it was really going to be difficult for them to start fresh with a brand new top flight manager I, I don't blame him either. He's obviously very green. It's it's it, it it doesn't look good sometimes, but it comes down to the players. You're right. They don't have a midfield. They haven't had one for they haven't had one for 50 years. It feels like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like I mean, they, they've been they've won the last three <laughs> championships with without a midfield basically. But but signing Ronaldo was never going to be an easy task to have players around him too. It was going to take very smart signings. But the amount of money they tied up into one player, they didn't have the supporting cash flow to like to buy a player around uh, to buy sure. a team around him. That that and was they, always going to be the issue. Still won, and they still won two straight titles, so oh. they kind they kind of got away. They kind of got away with it. I mean, yeah, obviously the goal the the goal to win the Champions League is 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 the the diamond in the rough for them that they can't achieve. But they still won two championships w with them. No, absolutely. I, I, I don't. I don't. I, I know that the goal was never to win a uh, a championship with him, and, and it, you're right. They they did it right, but I don't know. I, their back end. Okay, so you have the lit. You're right. You mentioned him, but who else do you put beside him now? You got a Bonucci that's aging. You got a Kalini that's aging. What is your back line going to be looking like for the foreseeable future? So that's a that's a very very iffy question. I know Chiesa was a good signing to play on the wing, but here's the thing: you got Kulusevski, who you spent a lot of money as well, and they both play the same position. So who who's your formidable starter for the future? Well, it's going to be Chiesa, it looks like. Kulusevski is not really becoming that player yet, and, and probably the problem is he hasn't played enough this year. So what happens? You play him out of position; doesn't help his development. You don't have a true number nine for the future. Um, I know you have Ronaldo, but Okay, that's fine, but he's not going to be there long term. Morata, he's, he's only playing. twenty. He what is he? Only twenty eight though. Morata, it's it's, it's but, he's like yeah, a but, he's like a sneaky. He's a sneaky. Uh, he's been around forever. Yeah, yeah he's been around forever. But what, what's his contract too? Right, his option. I think it's pretty significant wages. Yeah, they may not because because he's he's on loan with option, wages. right? Yeah. So there's all and then then again the midfield is a biggest question mark because Arthur looked like their best creative midfielder and then he gets hurt so who knows what that's going to happen next season what happens to him i guess that's the one guy you i you can put in in that spot but the whole midfield is a freaking disaster bentoncourt has looked terrible this year rabiel hasn't looked convincing at times ramsey oh man and that might be the worst signing they've made in the whole midfield probably worse than rabiel i would say because rabiel has shown signs of of being good 
So I, I won't say he's been a terrible signing, but he hasn't been great. But Ramsey hasn't shown any signs. So again, there's a lot of question marks to this team, I think. And and one where, yeah, you're right. There are pieces in play, but what happens after that? And, and here's the thing. If Ronaldo doesn't get signed this summer, they are screwed because now it's another year where they can't really buy a lot of players. What the heck is going on here? Um, where you can't buy a lot of players and you're like, okay, what do we do now? Like, how does next year look, right? So a lot of question marks. But I do agree with you. You do prove a good point. They do have pieces in play. But the problem with Paratici is he's so prone to signing extra players like those pieces that just don't click in together. You know what I mean? I haven't seen this guy put the whole project together like like Marotta does, what he did with Juventus and he did with Inter now. So uh, we we got uh, we got the Ericsson FC president Mario Galliano in. Mario, I I don't know how much of this conversation you heard. So l- let me just ask you, my friend. Uh, how much of uh, or how many of Juve's problems do you think are Pirlo's fault? Has he been made a bit of a scapegoat here, you think? I think he's been a scapegoat, and he's been put in a really bad position to to take this team. They gave him minimal to work with, and he's just not ready to take on a project that big. They needed to win. They brought in the wrong guy. They, so they had to rebuild because I feel like that's all he could do at this point. By the way, you share the StreamYard link on Twitter. So that's why I joined. Did I? Jesus, yeah. I, I figured that must be how Art got in. <laughs> yeah, I went to uh, I went to watch the video on YouTube and I clicked this. <laughs> I love it. So well, happy to have you aboard. That, that, that was totally my bad. All right. Well, I, I want to go. I want to go around the table. Um, predictions for Juventus Napoli on Wednesday. I'm gonna. I'm going to straddle the fence and I'm going to say draw. I'm going to go 2-2 draw, which uh, which may not be enough to get Pirlo the sack. Uh, you know, a draw, I don't know. I feel like a draw serves uh, Napoli a little bit better than it serves Juventus, but I don't know. Well, one point apiece, maybe it's not that big a deal. I'm going to go 2-2 draw. What do you think, Jerry? Uh, I'll go well, I'll go 2-1 Napoli. What about you, Johnny? I, th- I think I, I think I have a feeling which way you might go. I, I, I like I want to say something, but I feel like as if I'm going to curse them if I, if I actually say. But, um, That's my strategy feeling, as well for Inter games. Yeah, That's Jerry's it's, strategy it's for Lazio games. Because knowing my luck, it's pretty crap. I, I want to say two one Napoli. I'm feeling kind of confident for the game, especially with the poor format Juve's in. But, but watch me just jinx it completely now by saying that. But. Uh, <laughs> But I'm gonna go with a. I'll just to shoot a prediction to one Napoli. What do you think, Art? I'm just worried the game's not gonna be played now with uh, with all the COVID. Juve uh, COVID True. positive COVID cases. True. Um, this, yeah, that's right. Is 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 there any anything uh, any update on that? I haven't checked in on that in like four hours. Is there anything uh, any speculation? I have. I haven't even seen who the the new Juve player was. I and, and I also saw that Sal Sirigu was 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 positive as well. So Jeez. it just seems like all the all the Nazionale players are are testing positive. Although although the Napoli players have have tested negative so far. Um, so we'll see. But uh, three three two Napoli. What do you think, Mario? I was going to go with the 2-1, but that's become too popular for me. So I was going to go 3-1, Napoli. I hate this Juve team. I think this is the worst Juve team I've seen my whole life. 
<laughs> I want to go around the table on one more thing before we wrap it up for this episode. Uh, and I'll start, Mario, with you. We'll go around uh, in the other direction. Your take on the new Inter logo uh, that dropped uh, late last week with, with the IM campaign. Uh, honestly, and, and I'm, I'm not saying this because I'm a shill for the club, I don't think it's that bad. Uh, I, I I don't think they needed to change it. Like I'm not I'm not here saying oh I I wish all of my teams changed their logos every few years. I've seen it happen way too much with my South Florida teams within the last decade. The Miami Dolphins changed their logo. The Florida Panthers changed their logo. The Marlins have changed their logo twice within the past ten years. So I've seen it happen way too often. But honestly, uh, people hate change. They're always going to complain about a logo change, which you see happening with this Inter logo. Um, I, I think it's one thing to look at it just in isolation of just the logo. When you see it on shirts and some of the mock-ups, it doesn't look that bad. W what is that in the background, by the way? Is that is that a your crib, Mario? Like, what what is that? It's loud as fuck in the background. Oh, I met my computer fan. It's like kind of annoying today. Sorry. <laughs> I, I don't like the, the the logo, and it's more so because I think they could have done a better job with it. Uh, I feel like they, they took the Juve route where they just wanted it to be, like, really simple. But it's really, like, not simple at the same time. And I told Jerry it's Tid FC, so, you know, we, we all can't unsee that now uh, once you see it. I was really hoping for, like, a serpent or something else. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess that's probably why I like it a lot less than I really should. I had higher expectations, you know, because the last – People went crazy for the last logo change when they took away the star and like the, the 1908 or whatever. And I was like, okay, you know, it's basically the same thing. I don't mind it. You take away the star. But this is just like, it's an I am. Uh, not, I'm not a fan of it. I guess it'll grow on us, us haters. But I don't really like hate it. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, I'm just not sold on it. I gotcha. But have you seen like, because they have the uh, like the leaked uh, fourth kit? that they've shown the picture of and and then like some of the mock-ups where it's on the I, I, th I think the color is the problem on like on the logo that they put out in isolation with the blue and white the blue and white doesn't look good it just it doesn't feel inter but then when you see it in like gold on a jersey it looks gold fine looks like it, there's nothing wrong with it like it, it yeah. looks fine like you know i mean you can ask why do they have to change the logo but whatever they change it i don't think it looks that bad i think if we win the scudetto this year they add the gold for next year uh, okay. something like how they did with the, the Pirelli logo, uh, yeah, in 2010, yeah. 11, whatever. I'm uh, not 10, 11, something like that. Uh, no, earlier. I'm sorry. It was, uh, it was 2010. Milan won in the, well, actually it would be for 2011. Cause 2011. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was, year, it was yeah, like yeah. last year. Oh, then that was 2008. I think that was, yeah. it was, it was with the yeah. gold. I have it, I have it in my, in my, in my dresser right now, I, I off the top of my head, I can't think of it. I, I think it was, that, that, that was the uh, that was the hundred year anniversary kit, I think. Yeah, so that's two thousand eight. What do you think about the new logo art? I I I'm glad you you mentioned what you said. I, I think part of the challenge for me was like seeing like the big launch and that just basic blue and white logo. It looked like a it looked like a beta version. Of what they were trying to trying to do, and that was like the one that they launched. I'm I'm confused as to why they dropped the FC, because um, that's their name. Um, but I do like it better with more. Do like it better with more colors. I just feel like it, it almost feels to me like they wrote the campaign before they changed the logo. 
Yeah, maybe. You know, like like they, they like it was it was all sort of built around this this rebrand campaign. Uh, I'm whatever, and and, <laughs> and so and and that's why they decide to drop the drop the the FC and and make the logo more basic because they they felt like they had a snappy rebrand uh, campaign slogan. Well, th- there's definitely this idea that seems to be going around that like. Um, cause, cause we saw what Juventus did going from their crest to, you know, the, the J that they've had now for a few years. And it's like the, the, these corporations like seem to have this idea that the more you can simplify it, the more universally it can be sold. I, I don't know. I, I don't go through these focus groups like they go through. I don't know. I don't know the marketing numbers behind it. Um, you know, as a fan, I, I don't really, I don't really understand that, but they seem to have this idea cause Juve did it. Now Inter's doing it where like the less clutter and the less letters and commotion you have in your logo, you know, the more it's going to translate into North America and Asia. Uh, I, I don't really know why they think that's the case, but uh, what do you think about, uh, about Inter's new design, Johnny? Well, look on the bright side. At least it wasn't Montreal's fucking announcement about Club de Foot Montréal instead of Montreal. Oh in fact, I was oh, and, and they're playing in my stadium for a while. I, I, I get I get to watch your team. They're, they're going to be playing while I work, man. I'm, I'm going to be yeah. kind of a... Uh, well, uh, don't CF expect Montreal much. It, like, Teddy Henry left for a reason because uh, yeah. Saputo himself, you know, he he's trying his best, but uh, like that's just a whole nother can of worms. And then to have the tagline called "We Are Snowflakes," like, come on, that's not that's not <laughs> gonna be good at all. But uh, I, I saw like some of like the uh, mock-up or the uh, pre-release like brandware that they released and for for Inter, and I liked it a lot. Like I, I quote tweeted somebody saying like that long white sleeve sweater with the with the blue and white uh, Inter, Inter Milano logo. It, it looked very nice. And I think that is their strategy. I think they're trying to do what, what Juve did, where simplifying the logo, make it more marketable, have more people bra- buy uh, brand and merchandise just to get, I guess, more popular. I mean, like when Juve did their brand change, yeah, you can argue that it's also maybe because Ronaldo going to the team, but I saw much more people that were non-Italians wearing Juventus gear. So I think that's the goal for them. I think that's the... Uh, that's the end game. Just make yourself more of a brand, more marketable. And especially now that they are getting results, uh, like uh, Carl actually put it very well, uh, when you have titles and results, people are going to look at you more. And then when they see uh, the logo on the brand. They'll buy more of that stuff, and, and it just exponentially grows from there. So I personally, like, since it's on my team, I really didn't have a strong opinion on it. I found it was okay. I, I'm like I, I'm not gonna say that it, it wasn't ugly at all. You know, right. like I said, it was, it's not right. CF Montreal. That's let's just leave it, that, that logo change is not nice yeah. at all. But uh, the name's great, and logo's not good. But and for Inter, yeah, sure. There's that weird tit thing in the middle that Jerry likes to point out. But uh, I myself that, that actually made it like nice. me more when, when when Jerry pointed out that uh, that that if you look at it a certain way, it spells tit. I'm thinking, all right, you know what? I can get on board with that. What yeah, I, I, I don't think any guy would complain about yeah. it. Yeah, what, what do you support? FC Tit, you know, titties. We're good. We're good. <laughs> what do you think, Jerry? Um, I, I'm a tradition kind of guy. If I saw my team kind of like Imagine take the logo, say, yeah, like without the eagle, say like that, I would. It would 
really bother me because that's tradition. That's the history of the of the club. It's what they represent. You have to think about what why they have that logo on the actual jersey. Um, Napoli with the N. Um, what else? Uh, I, I'm sure there's numerous clubs like from Parma to Inter. I don't know why Inter changes their their logo so much, but I think this one has really changed it a lot. And I I, I just think that it, it also looks stupid that you have the word tit in the logo. Kind of like shows a kind of a disrespect. I don't know. I, I don't hold think. On, hold on. I mean, it, it, did they? I don't think they intended to put the word "tit" in there. I think if you look at it from a certain angle, like, hey, that that looks like it's a, like I, I don't. I don't think they sat in a boardroom and said, "How can we sneak tit into this thing?" I I just think <laughs> it came out looking that way. This isn't know, Disney, right? They don't put they don't put the sky the lion kit. To put swastikas on their jersey back in nineteen eighty nine. I don't know, man. Really? Uh, get, yeah. Your marketing department should know what the fuck they're doing. I tell that much because uh, I don't know, man. Fuck I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't want to say, man. I mean, like, given like given the example I gave before, I I think some marketing departments are pretty clueless on what to do with a rebranding or changing up on things. So, so I mean, it's true. Double edged sword. It's true. I, I agree with that. Uh you know what, man? I, I saw a comment uh, just moments ago where it, you know it doesn't matter what the logo really is but it it, it all matters what the results and titles is that that's Hold on. I, I, want, I want i want to bring uh i want uh, uh jerry you can finish your thought and then i want to bring uh i want to bring mo in on the conversation it, it all depends on your uh on your results right i think that's the uh the most important thing basically and and mo has like one of the fucking best backdrops i mean how many uh how many inter shirts and he's got a scarf back there he's got the mashup kit he's got the away kit oh i love that that is beautiful mo mo what do you, what do you think about the about the new logo you like it you hate it indifferent i, I love it man to be honest can you guys hear me well i can yeah, yeah, hear you fine a, l- a little low I know, but i hear I know, you i know i know what jerry's talking about and I, i've been following jerry on twitter about this about the tradition, the old uh, uh, habits, and then people don't like change, and it, it's it's a different club than the ones I used to like grow uh, grow up with, and all of this stuff are good and are great. But we here, we're North, uh, uh, we're we're in North America, all of us, and I remember three, four years ago, it was being sports two games a week, and it was a struggle to get the games on on, on Syria, and I'm. I'm sure that all of you are the same boat with me, right? But then yes, Cristiano came, so, so. and then the modern logo is is here for uh, for Juventus, and now ESPN jumped in, and then they all ten games every single week are on TV. You can choose and pick what you want to watch. So people are in Europe are talking about the traditions and stuff, but all about the American market is all about modernization. What what American franchises are doing to their team, the Dodgers, the Yankees, everybody is moving to. The modern logos, right? And I think this is what Inter is doing. And then even Asia is everything is moving to the to the new stuff, the modern things. Based on history, that's not great. Modern. And as you guys said before, as Jani said, you want exponentially to grow, you have to follow the the, the, the new trend. Like everybody mm-hmm. else, you want to jump on the boat. And that's what Inter did. This is this is my opinion about the new logo. It's simple, minimalistic, small, not complicated like the old Chris, but 
it is what it is and it's to be honest it's representative of the club isn't it right like it's what, it is, what it we is. are it's an inner milan right we're fc yep. internationally milano this is where we are Hey, but before I wrap up this episode, I, I, I'm so glad that Mo popped in. Mo, let the people know, man. I, I want to give you a chance to plug because you work really hard, and I like your videos. Uh, let people know where they can find you, your match breakdowns. Normally, guys, I do the uh, everything interrelated. I do an interworldwide. Uh, some guys are friends here uh, with the show. And my own channel, it's, uh, I actually uh, held back a little bit because I don't have time with all the uh, interworldwide and the game after game that is happening, the match reactions and all the Serie A thing. But check us out. We do the uh, Serie A roundup every week. It's great. Hopefully, we can have uh, Alex and Jerry on soon. Hopefully, I was, I was talking Absolutely. about this so you guys can discuss. When last you jump on uh, Juventus soon, Jerry, watch out this weekend. <laughs> hey, this, weekend. this Wednesday, Napoli are going to win. And then that this coming weekend, Lazio are going to be ahead of Juventus in the tent, and then everybody's going to talk about. I can see you in the rearview mirror. This is what you're going to tell Daniel Lucci, Jerry. This is what you're going to tell. <laughs> <laughs> what a shout! What a shout! They have been talking about. Well, we're definitely going to make top four. We're definitely going to make top four. Okay, I'll, I'll talk to you in two weeks. <laughs> you know and, and and i notice uh over the last few months since i have been uh i have been gradually uh turning jerry into an interista whether he realizes it or not it, it's how i i have i i am the trojan horse I, I have permeated his brain and i'm making him an interista. I, i've even noticed that like more people more people are going after jerry on twitter they don't like the fact that he's He's writing for Intersites, which, and listen, this man, Jerry, he is a Serie A analyst. He's written, you even wrote for a Juventus site at one point, Jerry. You wrote for Napoli, too. Napoli called Toronto. Yeah. I, I write for anybody, man. I don't care who the team is. I, I remember last year I wrote a piece for Roma, and I got freaking tortured for that one. That one I, I got destroyed for, but it was basically about, like, um, about how things were starting to turn around for them. And I, I did it for uh, John Solano, Roma Press. Oh, nice. and, what a good dude. And, and, and I did a piece for him. But I, I just like, well, I don't, uh, okay, I hate Roma. Yeah, I hate Juventus. Yeah, sure. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to talk and write about them very biased. You know what I mean? Just because I don't like your team doesn't mean I'm going to be so objective to one side. Like, I wrote a piece about Ronaldo, and I had a lot of good feedback about it. Because, yeah, maybe I don't like Ronaldo, but I'm not going to talk shit about him when, when the facts are that, yeah, he is a great player. And, yeah, he, he can help in certain ways, but his wages don't help the club. And there is vice versa. So, you know what, I, I, I get so much flack on Twitter, but I always say a lot of these people hide behind a screen and and, and – talk a big talk but if i were to meet half of these people they all be pussies i'll tell you that much uh, yeah but, but uh, we, i did i did uh, an analysis for lazio uh, for lazio roma and i did an analysis for juventus and roma i, I we do some stuff not you don't have to do everything enter you know like and lazio like everybody's the same like we're this is what no i agree with you what you do right Anyway, thank you guys for having me. I just wanted to pop in and oh, tell everybody. Thank hi. you so much, man. <laughs> no problem. Anytime, anytime, you just let me know. I'll pop in, yes. say a couple of words, bring people in, and then let them I love it, man. Up. 
It was so nice to chat with you and every everybody yes. check, check Mo out. Uh, love it. Thank you so much, my friend. And and we're we're gonna wrap it up uh, on that note. I want to give everybody uh, everybody a chance to to let the people know what they're up to. I mean, Johnny, you guys on on the Caltro guys, you were always kicking ass. Come on. You know, we love Before Nick we and Adriano as well. I'm surprised you didn't mention this. Antonio Conte, there and Inter are ready to renew his contract for another year. You didn't see that? He's, no, he's when the fuck did that drop? That oh, was a big PR. news. Big that news. That was uh, I, I'm gonna tweet about it, and, and I, I do plan on writing about why I do like this. Hold like, on, hold I, on. How, how long? For, for reals, how long ago did this drop? Football, I'll tell you. Uh, hold on. Now, uh, five hours ago. Inter five reported, hours ago. What the fuck was I doing? Inter reportedly ready to offer Antonio Conte a contract extension, even if his salary will automatically raise at the end of the season. Yeah. yeah so. You know um, uh, you know, I, I did, uh, I, I didn't see, uh, I, I don't think I saw the specific link you were talking about, but I, I did see some reports within the last couple of days that this is expected. Um, cause actually, you know what, this morning, uh, I was, I was going to, uh, to comment on it and then I, I wanted to, to find the right word. Sometimes I'll start to write a tweet and then I don't finish writing a tweet. I'm very strange, but I, I did want to comment on it today because, uh, I think it's actually kind of a kind of kind of a beautiful uh, saga when you look back to you know this past August after the Europa League, um, the the you know the the loss in the final, and there there was this hard feeling where Conte was you know livid with you know the club not protecting him from the media. You know we talked about it, Jerry, on the show last year that the inside story that I, I received was that. Um, you can remember a story around uh, Christmas time of 2019 when someone sent a death threat to Conte. They sent it to the office. They sent a bullet uh, to Conte, an envelope with a bullet in it, and it, it was received by the club uh, at the facility, and yet somehow Conte's wife found out about it, meaning somebody from the club leaked it to her, and he was fucking pissed because he did not want his wife and his daughter to know Somebody sent him a death threat. So he was he was very upset because he thought, oh, he was thinking, thank God this came to the office and not my home. My wife and daughter don't have to know about it. Instead, someone from the office leaked it to his wife and it became a whole thing. So he, he was really angry with the club. He thought the club are not protecting me. The club are not protecting us from the media. Uh, you know, so it really reached a point where despite the fact that you know, Inter ended up having a, a, a good season last year, finishing in second place in the Campionato and, and getting to the Europa League final. So you thought, hey, there's positive things happening here. Yeah, Conte was very close to resigning. Like Conte had a foot out the door. They had a big summit uh, at the end of the season where the everybody following it thought, okay, at the end of this summit, they're going to announce that Conte is gone and Max Allegri is replacing him. That's what everyone was talking about. And it ended up being Conte staying and, you know, a year later, uh, you look at the results, you look at a team that is on the verge. Uh, I don't want to jinx it, but on the verge of winning a Scudetto. Um, and, and Conte has done very well this season, and he actually seems happy. You don't have the usual Conte outburst. This is not him bitching and moaning and complaining after games that he was for most of last year. So I think it's actually kind of a, a beautiful turnaround and a beautiful success story that uh, that Antonio Conte, who less than a year ago was ready to walk away and resign or maybe get sacked, and now he uh, he may be extending his time with Inter. I, I love it. I'm happy to see it, Jerry. I'm buying a Conte jersey this year. I need to find out what number he was. I, I'm seriously buying a Conte jersey because I love this fucking Would you guy. buy a Conte Juve jersey? 
No, fuck that, man. I'd rather burn that shit, man. You know, he never wore an Inter jersey, so. I'll make you up my own fucking Inter you jersey. A, you can get a national team jersey of Conte if you want. You could. Yeah, you could. Oh, you played, you played up until 94, I believe. I don't think he was part of the 98 team. I think he played up until 94. I know he was part of the 94 team, I think. What but, teams did he play for? He played for Juve? Uh, I don't know. For? I know he played for Juve. I think that's why. Uh, did he play for Lecce like when he was younger? Like I think I think he came through. Hold he on. played for some small clubs. I feel I like if there was uh, – I have something irking me like as if there is a connection somewhere for me. Hold on. Yeah, look, look, uh, look, up, the, uh, look up the history. I'm looking up. Uh, Lecce and Juve. Okay. I'm, buying a, I'm buying a Lecce jersey finally. Lecce. Yeah, one goal <laughs> and 81 jersey for Lecce. <laughs> oh yeah, wow. I'm buying a fucking Lecce jersey. Are you kidding me? Oh yeah, look at look at those city of beast us, baby. Zero goals. Fucking. <laughs> oh my. Oh my God! Did he ever spend so many years with you there? I didn't even know. Wait, yeah, oh, you know, the national team for 2000? Really? Maybe I'll buy a national. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Wow. What? I don't remember. 94, him. 95, 96, 99, 2000. Wow. Yeah, he was in the 2000 squad. Yeah, he played five matches too. He had one goal. All right, dudes. I I, I am hungry as hell, so I want okay. I want to wrap this up. E- Jerry, e- Jerry, I, I, gotta, I gotta get my late late night snack here. Hey, Jerry, Jerry, where can people find you? Uh, anywhere they can look for your work. Uh, I don't know. Lazio. I have a piece coming out tonight. Uh, three three uh, takeaways for the Lazio game. Uh, I did an interpiece uh, that got released today, winners and losers, based on the game when they were winning over Bologna. Um, that's about it. I probably will write about why it's important for Lazio to finish in the top four spot and how it's possible, and that's about it at the moment. Some things that come to my mind. <laughs> awesome. What about you, Gianni? Uh, well, people can find me at uh, what I have written over. Hold on, my hands are off. There we go. At uh, <laughs> at uh, Janny Rules twenty seven on Twitter. Also on Instagram, it's the same handle. Janny Rules R U L Z twenty seven. It was my hotmail email that I made when I was seven, and it stuck. So uh, <laughs> my MSN name. Uh, but also, I'm on a show with Adriano Donardo and Nicholas Di Giovanni. Uh, two amazing guys are on the Calcio guys. At the Calcio guys is our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, you name it. Uh, I do my podcast with them. Uh, I appreciate if anybody who ever gives us a listen, thank you so much for coming to listen to us. And uh, once again, I appreciate the fact that you guys brought me on to have me on the show. Uh, uh, it's awesome. It felt great. Thank you. Excellent, guys. Well, I had an awesome time. And of course, you know, you can hear me and see me on this show on the Calcio Connection. I, I just um, basically broadcasting all day, pretty much. I have, <coughs> excuse me, I have my Man of the Match show on Onside Radio, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time every day. We talk mostly North American sports on that show, but I do slip in some Serie A propaganda every chance that I get, man. We have a good time with that as well. So you can watch me 3 to 6 p.m. on Onside Radio. And, yeah, support Jerry, Mancini 8 Everybody's Twitter handles are here. Uh, I'm Al- at Alex Dono. We will talk to you guys next time. And huge thanks to those who crashed. So I <laughs> fucked up. And for one of the links that I sent out, I sent out the link for guests to join us. Like for the first <laughs> link I sent out, I sent out the YouTube link. Second link I sent out, I sent the link for people to join us as guests. And so uh, we have uh, people like Art who just decided to pop in. 
Mario decides to pop in. Mo decides to pop in. You know, Jerry, I, I'm thinking of something. Maybe this is just the way we do the show from now on. Like, is that a crazy idea? Because you cannot find an, a more interactive Calcio show than this one who will literally just bring your ass on and let you talk about your team. Like, I, I, we might be on to something here. Seriously, open invitation. Huge thanks to Gianni. <laughs> Huge thanks to Jerry. Huge thanks to Art. Huge thanks to Mo. I had a lot of fun on this episode, guys. We'll talk to you on the next one. Another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast next time here. Ciao. Ciao. Bye. Bye. Bye, motherfucker. Thank you. <laughs> that was a lot of fun, man. I appreciate your time. I appreciate being on. Thank you so much. We're still live, by the way. I just want to point that oh, out. Shit. Oh, yeah. fuck. <laughs> yeah. Motherfucker. Fire. You fucker.